Hello, friends, and welcome to the Bee Church Podcast. I'm Eric Swanson. I'm Jenny Edwards-Bertrand. And on this podcast, we hope to address the leadership needs of the local church. In today's episode, we're coming to you from the new distilled brewery out in North Normal. And we are going to be talking about evangelism. And to address this topic, we've invited a guest, Roxy Twaddle. So welcome, Roxy. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. That's great. (laughs) Roxy, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you came from, and what you're doing now? Absolutely. I am currently the associate pastor at Hope Church and also newly a co-campus minister at the Illinois State Wesley Foundation, which is really exciting and a new role that I get to fill. Before that, I was the admissions leader at Paul Mitchell The School Normal, uh, which I think gives me a little bit of a unique perspective on recruitment, which can also be translated in some ways into evangelism. Yeah. When where'd you grow up? I'm from Washington, Illinois, small town Washington. Um, I grew up in Crossroads United Methodist Church, which is a fairly large Methodist church for southern Illinois, or central Illinois. Yes. Yeah. And um, your role at Hope Church, which is the uh, church I get to be the pastor of, no, we're not large enough that the church got to hire an associate pastor. We got a grant, and we, you want to say more about that? Absolutely. I am the high-impact church planting resident with Path One. Um, Path what One. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> right. Path One is uh, kind of the overarching church planting organization for the United Methodist Church. Um, and being a church planting resident means I spend a year focused on learning how to plant churches. Um, I'm lucky enough that I get to spend this year with Hope Church, which I actually did get to help plant um, in its very beginnings uh, three and a half years ago. That's right. Yes. You so, should tell that story. <laughs> which part? When, <laughs> how you got involved with this church, because oh, you were sure. living in Bloomington. Sure. So Hope Church is actually, it was born out of a campus ministry, the Illinois State Wesley Foundation, um, and it was... I was at the Wesley Foundation for about three years, and then I kind of kept in touch um, with Jenny, and when they called her, um, Mike Crawford called her, he's the coordinator of congregational development, he called her and he asked her if she'd consider starting a church, and she called me and said, hey, if I consider starting a church, is this a thing you'll do with me? And uh, then life happened. And I moved back to my hometown to uh, finish an associate's degree, and she called me and asked if we could meet, and we were walking around a park in Goodfield, Illinois, and she said, I'm going to need you to move back to Bloomington and help me start this church for real now. (laughs) And a couple months later, I had found a roommate and an apartment in Bloomington and commuted to Washington for a few months and then uh, finished my undergraduate degree at Illinois State that pretty soon after that. Well, you loved working at Paul Mitchell. You love being a stylist. You love helping people get into cosmetology school. Absolutely. Why did you go back to school? Ah, well, you see, (laughs) I experienced a calling, um, (laughs) and the calling is to become an elder in the United Methodist Church, 
Um, and to do that, you need an undergraduate degree and then a three-year master's degree. <laughs> so having only had one year of undergrad under my belt, uh, I knew I was looking at a six-year school journey. <laughs> now, I don't love you can't college. You see her face. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love what college does for people. I love that it opens doors. Um, I have never been one for traditional style learning. So six years seemed a little bit terrifying for me, but now I am down to only two more. That's right. So it's really exciting. I am, start, I am in my second year at Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary. Um, and I have this year, next year, and then I'm done with school forever. <laughs> so let's get this right. You work for Hope Church as the high impact church planting resident, which puts you as our associate pastor. Yes. You work for the Wesley Foundation as a co campus minister. Yes. And you are a full time graduate student in seminary. Yes. Would you say you're high energy? Yes. <laughs> I am lucky enough to be incredibly extroverted. So all of my roles mean that I'm around people all of the time. And luckily, that's where my energy comes from. So um, really, it's when you stick me in front of a TV that I just kind of fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And even this semester, you're taking an evangelism course, aren't you? I am. It's been really interesting. Uh, we've spent the first couple weeks learning about what evangelism is not, which is like that scary guy who stands on the campus at Illinois State and yells that people are going to hell. That's not <laughs> what evangelism is. Get him at Illinois State? I had him at Iowa. He's everywhere. Yeah. He travels the country and he's crazy. Oh. If you did not go to a state school, at state schools it's public property and we have freedom of speech right. so eric what happened at the university of iowa we'll oh. see if it's the same thing oh the guy with tons of signs about why every one of us college students were going to hell stood in front of the liberal arts main buildings and yelled at us and he yes. got quite a crowd of really excited students who wanted to engage him but not in the ways he wanted to be engaged <laughs> that is the same same guy and um roxy from the perspective of that helping or hindering building a campus ministry <laughs> uh from the perspective of that i would say that well i guess for us, it kind of does both no. because we have learned that if we stand as a campus ministry about 20 yards away from him with <laughs> signs that say things like, God loves everyone and you are loved by God, then it opens the doors to conversations, um, yeah. especially for the people who have just heard him say, you're all going to hell. <laughs> I remember back in the day... Um, trying to attract students to our worship service called Merge and students actually being scared of worship because the yeah. only thing they knew of church so you know um, the majority of students coming in are entirely unchurched this scary guy is the only thing they knew right they didn't associate church with sweet old ladies or potlucks or Christmas Eve or anything mm. It was just a scary man. That's the only thing they knew of church. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a TV publicized version of Westboro Baptist, basically. And yeah. The mindset right. of, like, everyone's going to hell but the five of us that get along. 
Okay, so right. here's the world we're in. We've got everyone thinking church is awful. Now, uh, Roxy got to talk a lot about herself. Eric, we know you. Remind us, you're at Leroy United Methodist Church. Yeah, currently I'm at the Leroy United Methodist Church. I've been there for a little over three years now. Uh, we're a bedroom community to Bloomington, Normal, and Champaign. Uh, so two university towns are a bedroom community too, which means we have a lot of people who kind of fit the demographics of uh, the stereotypical state school. So fairly decent, affluent, um, mostly progressive. But then we also have farmers and people who work in the ag industry and um, a lot of trucking and businesses like that. So then we have the polar opposite, uh, yeah. super conservatism and um, those dynamics. So And about a total of... Uh, I'd argue about 6,000 people reached within the 10-minute commute Okay. to the wow. church. So we have um, a num all of these ministries represented, uh, great things happening, and people not necessarily there that we know could be there. Right. So we want to talk about how in the world do we get people there not for the sake of being there, but because we're passionate about evangelism. Roxy already said we can just let it go about what evangelism is not. You can trust Roxy and Eric. <laughs> and uh, let's just figure out what evangelism could be. Um, when you introduced yourself, you said that you saw a connection between being a recruiter for a cosmetology school. Absolutely. And inviting people to church, even young adults. Yes. I am excited that you brought that up because <laughs> uh, having worked for Paul Mitchell, I loved working for, for Paul Mitchell. And the reason I did was my main job, the thing that I got to do the most was meet with people who were maybe interested in cosmetology school. And what that looked like was sitting down with them and asking them about their lives. Um, so they got to talk. I mostly just listened. And they would talk about what their future goals were and who they were as people and how they got to be kind of where they are now, um, why they were considering cosmetology school, how they have come to that realization in their lives. Uh, so it, it was definitely a sort of almost training, if you will, for being able to have those conversations uh, with people that I just meet now in everyday interactions. Um, one of the things that I got to do with Paul Mitchell was go to high schools and talk to high school students directly. And it would be the high school students that were interested in cosmetology school. And it never really ended up being about cosmetology school. It oh, ended really? up, yeah, it would always end up being about these people their lives, what they wanted to do in the future, what kind of lives they wanted to lead. Oftentimes, um, people who are attracted to cosmetology school tended to be, sometimes, people who would want a very flexible schedule because they wanted to raise a family. And so we would talk about what that could look like, being a hairstylist and and uh, raising a family or doing that part-time or even sometimes doing it from their home, um, things mm. like that. So it definitely 
definitely helped me develop uh, my ability to ask people questions, um, and that is what relates directly to evangelism. Okay, say um, more. Well, evangelism, as I understand it, is um, getting together with people and building relationships. It's really all about the relationships, very genuine, very clear rela- relationships, uh, friendships. Um, I recently actually got to go to coffee with a friend of mine, and she's someone who's been my friend actually from the beauty industry, and in my head, I would love for her to come to Hope Church, but we're not to the point right now where she's open to that, Um, and so I'm going to keep meeting with her and being her friend, which is fun, you know, I love being her friend, Um, but I will keep those doors of communication open Um, and actually during this last time that we met she asked me quite a few questions about scripture Um, so I was able to share with her some of the things that I have learned working within the church but then also having had a little bit of a theological education uh, background and I think I think for her kind of knowing where I stand makes it um, available to her. If she decides that she does want to go to church, she knows that I'm someone who will accept and love her at that church um, and would be happy to bring her in. And you're excited to be all of your friendships, you're excited to have people's friends regardless. Oh, absolutely, yes. Yeah. It's not just it's not just <laughs> about bringing them to church. Um, it's really great to be a part of a faith community that I just so firmly believe in because it makes evangelism really easy um, Mm. when it comes to inviting them to if you get to that place Uh, but sometimes that can take six months or a year or two years Um, there's another example there's uh, a woman in a local restaurant here and I just love her and I go I visit that restaurant often um, and every time I try and sit in her section, uh, because I'm building a really a friendship with her, I think she's a really cool person. Uh, but there's, it has not naturally come up yet. Nothing, um, nothing religious, I guess, has naturally come up. So I'm just waiting for that opening. And sometimes that's what evangelism looks like. Mm-hmm. I'm impressed with your patience with it because I think a lot of times when we talk about evangelism, at least some of the people I've talked to evangelism about don't have the patience for that. They're like notching the belt trying to figure out how many people they can save or if you die tomorrow, are you going to heaven or to hell? And how do you find the patience to do that? Uh, I think that's a really interesting question. I am, I'm not as worried about, I don't, I don't feel like it's up to me to quote unquote save someone. I don't, I don't think that that is my responsibility. Um, and so because of that, I, I can be patient. I can be comfortable and excited about the friendships because I have met so many people and I continue to meet people and people are just awesome. <laughs> and, and then I can get to know these people and kind of figure out where they're at. And, and it will happen. I mean, it happens often that someone will be like, you know, I'm just not into faith and or I don't have religion and that's okay too like you can still have conversations with them and be their friends and yeah. that doesn't mean that you don't talk to them anymore if yeah. anything it means you're just their friend be a genuine friend to these to people what 
would you say, and Roxy's not prepared for this question, but oh boy. <laughs> what would you say to someone who would say, uh, you know, Roxy's obviously very extroverted and loves people. I am not that kind of person. I don't naturally talk to people. Um, my pastor or the leader at my church has asked us to invite people and that just terrifies me. What would I say to that person? Yeah. Um, I would say think about the people that you're already friends with and be sure that those friendships are genuine and authentic and you are transparent about what you believe. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean if you're having a conversation just throwing in, hey, by the way, I go to church. It means have a conversation with someone. Ask them about their lives. Maybe at some point faith or religion or something will come up. And maybe then you can say, you know, at my church I did learn X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And then it's less about, I met you, I know you, you're a human, you should come to my church. Like and a sales like a sales pitch. It's not a sales pitch. But instead, it's being a person who shows the love of God to other people. Yeah. Um, will you speak a little bit about, at, with um, college students coming in to the beginning of the school year, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, um, we, need, we, we need to reach a lot of people in a short amount of time. Uh, we talked about some of the welcome events we have, um, mm -hmm. free food is great, all of that. Now it's October. Right. You're analyzing which of those events were worthwhile and helpful and which events we do next August, which we won't. Mm. How do you determine if an event is... Uh, helpful in building those authentic relationships sure. or not helpful because some people are just they won't walk into a restaurant and have right the conversation so we create these opportunities right uh, I think it's it's really taking the time to sit down especially with a team of people who are at each event and talk about relationships built Okay, um, so you still go back to the relationships. Oh, uh, it's all about relationships. You never say that's like, what evangelism is. How many hot dogs is. did we pass out? No, it's not no. about hot dogs. What it is about, though, is <laughs> the worship leader telling me that at the hot dog days event, he met with three people, two of whom he wants to audition for the band. That alone makes that event worth it. Yeah, it's okay. not about numbers. It's not about. Um, shallow hellos it's about having a conversation with someone if anyone came to church because of an event I'd say it's an event worth having again okay alright um, Eric yeah so you're not doing hot dog days in Leroy we eat a lot of food in Leroy but no no hot dog days <laughs> <laughs> um, you're at an established church you already have a great congregation you also know that there are people in Leroy and the surrounding area that maybe could use a faith community. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think I've shared this before, but I'm a total nerd when it comes to numbers. Um, <laughs> and if you look at stuff from Pew and other research firms, um, you find that, you know, still a majority, floating on the edge though, but a majority of people in the United States will say that they're a Christian. But if you go to worship on the biggest attended day of the year, which should be Easter, right? 
you will find 20% of your population goes to church. So really, that's what we're dealing with. 20% of the population goes to church, 80% doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care how, what you write on a survey. The, if you wanted to write that you're a Christian because you're Republican or whatever else, you know, you feel like you need to write that. <laughs> I just lost five followers. Uh, I've been losing them all week, friends. Uh, doing really good right now. Um. <laughs> yeah, there's still 80%. And even if a certain percentage of those people practice another faith or yep. uh, have a belief system oh, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, then he still yeah we're, I mean, we're talking about the the not uh, the super majority of people in a in your city USA will not go to church or have any faith background to, to speak of so that's true even in small town yes not just we're not just talking about New York, LA, or even a college campus. No, we're here. talking about Leroy, Illinois, middle of the heartland, um, <laughs> right? Farming, ag industries, all the traditional systems and stuff that everybody knows and loves that you think of in the Midwest. Of support, and you, I think of those things supporting church attendance. Right, but it's the same statistic. That is fascinating. Yeah. So, what do you do in Leroy, Illinois to. I would think almost it. You don't have to create events in the same way, but say more about what you don't you need do. to create events. Uh, the beautiful thing about small town um, living is that there's a lot of natural events that happen because the town has always had them, or because um, it, it's just a natural cycle of what goes on in the world. So you go to those events and you engage them for what they are. Mm-hmm. And you build trust and you build relationships, much like Roxy was saying, and mm-hmm. very similar stuff. But one of the beautiful things about small town that I think, I argue you can get away with large town because I did. I got away with Emporia. Um, but maybe a little easier and more natural in small town is that you can open up your internal space, your house, your um, third space, whatever that is outside of the church and work. Um, and you can open that up to inviting people more naturally than like, let's go to a restaurant. Mm. You oh. say, let's go to my backyard. I'm going to cook some burgers and I want to have you over. And have people over for the genuine sake of eating burgers and brats or whatever mm. it is that trips your trigger. Um, <laughs> but, but have that, have genuine relationship and build those relationships. And in much the same way Roxy was talking about, you, in the building of those relationships, garner the trust and the space to bring up issues of faith because faith even for those who don't profess any faith is still a super sensitive topic yeah well and you invite people over to your house for all sorts of things yeah um not just cookouts Uh, one of my most impactful and personal favorite events um i have traditionally had a monday night garage night i have opened a garage in my house and uh, I like to work on old rusty piles of junk cars. My <laughs> wife hates me uh, for this. <laughs> uh, she supports she, you. She does support me. She does. I love her. She's great. Um, but I bring home like 80-year-old cars and 50-year-old cars all the time. <laughs> and I say I'm sorry. And then, um, <laughs> and then I invite people over who have no experience or tons of experience. And I tell them that if they don't want to work on mine, bring theirs. We'll work on theirs. If they don't want to work, they can just drink my beer. Uh-huh. Um, 
and I build relationships and over the hood of a car talking about a carburetor or something like that you'd be surprised at the number of people that open up about personal matters and faith matters and um, because you built their trust and because you were patient with them the vulnerability and the willingness to share that becomes open to them and it becomes a natural evangelism tool. So if you were writing a book on evangelism, you wouldn't necessarily say, have a garage night. You already, whether you were a pastor or not, you'd be bringing home yeah. junky cars. And yeah. it's like what's already in your natural interest. Yeah. Whatever's in your your sweet spot, your um, personal interest, if you like to race races, if you like to knit, if you like to sew, if you like to work with clay, stained glass, uh, sing, you name Cook. it. Yeah, cook. Yeah, a lot of cooking. Uh, <laughs> I love me and my cooks. Uh, <laughs> I'll give you my address if you want to send me some food. No, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, you find what you have a natural affinity to or, towards and you grow those relationships. In part because you genuinely want to grow relationships mm-hmm. there. Right. Not because you're some egotistical, self-centered, like, I'm only going to do this for my church. Uh-huh. But because you genuinely care about those things and people can see that yeah and because they can see that then they'll trust you with other things yeah and probably the people who already go to your church know they trust you more because you're a normal person oh yeah works on your car and is a volunteer firefighter yep uh runs insane amounts of miles yeah 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 (laughs) insane my insane. church thinks I am crazy. You would too if you knew me. Thank you. We know. Oh, <laughs> no, we, know. <laughs> we know him. He's crazy. Great. Well, as we wrap this up, is there anything else either we were hoping you would get to say about evangelism? Roxy, you're going to be our guest ever again? Um, maybe. <laughs> oh, before the beginning of this, she said never again. Well, so. to be clear, I was given zero warning. <laughs> We texted her. Other duties as assigned. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that is in all of my job descriptions. Um, in, honestly, if your faith is the most compelling thing you have, mm-hmm. I always ask, why don't you share it? Mm-hmm. And that's a hard internal, like, nobody likes to hear that question. Um, and even as pastors, I don't think we like to hear that question because mm-hmm. we think oh, I've given my life to doing this job and um, that means I love Jesus more than anyone else. Um, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. It really doesn't. <laughs> but, but if you do really take it seriously, then what are you willing to do? What are you willing to give up? What are you willing to... Not on some sleazy, slimy, like, you know, what am I willing to do is trick people into things, but like... If your relationship with God and your faith is the most compelling thing you live for, how do you weave it into Mm -hmm. who God made you to be? How do you weave it naturally into those spaces so that you are an example of that faith at all times, so that at all times you're ready to share that faith when called upon? I think I I would like to say it's not as scary as people Uh. have decided that it is. Um, The word evangelism is kind of scary, but it shouldn't be. Um, It's really just about being you and being the person God has called you to be so that other people can see God in you. That's right. I think that's all that it is. 
Yeah, and this will, again, we'll lose like five people listening to us ever again. Uh, but... <laughs> I don't approve this. <laughs> <laughs> well, but when you hear the word evangel, evangelism or evangelical, you already think of a stereotype of the type of person. And we joked about the, the campus guy that shows up with like, you the know, sign. you're the going to hell signs. because you went out on Saturday night. Um, but we all have our version of that person in our mind, whether it's that person mm. or some archetype of who it is in the American consciousness. Evangelism is literally the sharing of good news. Good news. And if you've got good news to share, trust me, people want to hear good news. Yeah, absolutely. Especially yeah. in this world right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have so much negativity and so yeah. much bad news. And we're very good at communicating the bad news. Oh, we have systems in place to keep the bad news up, and we know that it draws attention, so we always push the drama of the bad. Mm-hmm. What if we push the drama of the good? Yeah, and that's our responsibility. Mm-hmm. Good. Good podcast, friends. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah. We'll see you all on the next one in two weeks. Peace. Bye. Bye.